All right. Before we get before I get started, we have a special guest. Um, I don't want to make sure I say your name right. Anna Alexander, where are you? There you are. Okay. Come on up. But Anna is Addie's aunt, correct? And Anna has lived in India, or you've been ministering in India for 26 years? 26 years she's been doing mission work over there. And you're also a doctor, correct? She's also a doctor. And she just wanted to share a little bit. Uh, or do we have the video? Are we able to play the video? Okay, we'll do the video first. You want to do the video first? Do it last. Never mind. Pause. <laughs> hands off the keyboard, Mike. He's got his hands up. All right, so uh, she wants to tell you a little bit about what she does and her ministry, and so if you guys will, just welcome her. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. Um, uh, Addie talks about you all the time. She's been with us this past year, which has been a joy, and, um, and she calls you her family, so you're also my family because of that. Um, and just wonderful to come and, and share with family a little bit about um, what God has done in my life and, and what God is doing in North India. Um, <clears throat> before we start, I'll just pray. <clears throat> Thank you, Father, that your spirit is here. Now come. Fill this place in a mighty way. Sweep through with your spirit, Lord. Awaken us. Give us your ears to hear what you would have us hear. Give us your eyes to see the broken around us. And Father, more than anything else, I pray that you break our hearts afresh this morning. Break them and fill them with your love. Fill this place till it overflows like a mighty rushing river out to this world that you love so deeply. We stand before you humbled, grateful, thankful. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Romans 5, 1 through 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him we also have obtained access into faith by this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope in the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. Poured. Not just dripped or splashed or sprinkled, but poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. I won't take much time, but I'll share a little bit about the hospital where my husband and I work and the school where Addie's been working. And then we have a short video so that you can also see the faces of those that we serve. This year marks our 15th year in Manali, which is in North India. It's at the gateway of the high Himalaya mountains. Uh, we're at 6,700 feet. The weather is wonderful. I invite you to come anytime. Um, when I asked Addie what she would want me to share this morning, she thought about it for some time and told me, tell their story. Because if we don't tell it, how will they know? But their story and my story are really the same story. It's a story of God's love 
God's amazing, crazy love that would reach out to people in some of the most remote areas of this world, a people who live at high altitude and survive year to year, season to season. And it's a story of love for me, a little girl from Ethel, Louisiana, <clears throat> a story of a little girl who grew up in church like this one, hearing stories about missionaries and thinking, I could do that. And it's a story about a little girl who grew up in a church and heard amazing evangelists challenge me to a deeper work walk with the Lord, saying there's a price to be paid. Are you willing to pay that price? And I would sit in the back and think, I can pay that price. But I didn't really understand that great love until I spent two months in Macau, which is now a part of China, as a senior medical student. And it was there that God showed me a love that I had never before understood. It was Chinese New Year's Eve, the one day off that they um, had off all year long. Otherwise, they work every single day. So Macau is the most populated landmass in the world. And on Chinese New Year's Eve, they all flock to the temple, the Temple of Amun. And they walk up this path, and they go through this series uh, in the temple before the idols, and they bow. And their goal is to get to the top by midnight before the new year begins for blessings for the new year. And the crowd was just something I've never experienced, just caught up in the rush. You couldn't move. You, you just prayed that you didn't fall down because you would have been trampled. Incense hung like this heavy, thick cloud, water just running from our eyes because of it. And at one point, a friend pulled me up on, out of the crowd, out of the, up onto this low wall that was there around the temple. And I looked through this window, this round Buddhist window, and I saw this young mother and her two children. And she was forcing their heads down to bow before the idol, which was a stone, just a rock, to kowtow three times desperate, desperate for something better, for some hope for the new year. And in that moment, God just pulled back the curtain just a little bit. And that veil opened on his heart, and I was broken. They were so desperate for what I carried so lightly. Hope of life, hope of grace, hope of freedom. How dare, how dare I carry it without a second thought? And I was never the same. Years later, uh, I was in quite a miserable job, actually. I had no great, deep, abiding call to India. But I was trying to escape. And so I called this organization called the Baptist Medical Dental Fellowship. And the director answered the phone. I said, sir, I'd like to volunteer to leave the country for a month. Do you, do you need a doctor anywhere? And he said, well, you could go to the Himalayas. I said, sign me up. He goes, don't you want to pray about it? I said, no, sir. You just send me the paperwork. I'll give you a check. <laughs> I don't really recommend that. But anyway, <laughs> they dropped us off at 14,000 feet. I had never stayed in a tent. I was the worst team member you would ever want to have. I'm telling you. I showed up with a bag that the, direct, the team leader looked at. He said, is that a body bag? I said, no, it's my clothes. He goes, what? what? Anyway, I survived and so did they, by God's grace. <clears throat> and at the end of that trip, 
We were on the way out. We had run out of food. We had never been, it had never been open before. These areas that we went into never allowed outside people. They had never seen foreigners. We would open the tent in the morning. They'd just be sitting there. Like we were the animals at the zoo. They had never seen such a thing. They would come and touch our hair and touch our hands, and we would give them medicine, and they would just stare at it. Never seen it before. On the way out, we stopped. We camped at 16,000 feet, and there was a, a Buddhist monastery on a small hill at the end of that valley. And we didn't have time to stop as a team and have a camp. Uh, but this dentist and I packed up some medicine in our backpack, and we went early, early in the morning. We gave out medicines inside that temple, and we were leaving. And as we got to the bottom of that hill, one of the older monks came up. He told me he had some pain in his knees and stomach pain. We had given out all that we had, but I had one of those waste packs on, and I dug in the bottom, and I found some Toms and some Tylenol, and I gave him that. And that man, holy and untouchable to his own people, laid down on the ground and touched his forehead to my shoes to say thank you for what I would consider purse trash. And I was never the same. It was a paradigm shift for me. And I started going back every year. Years later, as we walked over those mountains, to minister to those people. A team came from Arizona. To this day, I can say they were the worst team I've ever worked with in my life. They were so unprepared. You are at high altitudes. It is life-threatening. There is no rescue. There's nothing. You and your feet, that's all there is. Unfortunately for their feet, they had never put their boots on before they showed up. We walked 8 to 10 hours every day, 16, 17,000 foot passes in and out of this canyon. The Indian, the man that organized our teams had chosen a, a trek that I had not done. It was really sort of a tourist attraction. A lot of European trekkers come to that area. Um, it's sort of a national reserve, a government reserve area, and very few local villages in that place. But anyway, it's what he had chosen. And so we started out with, with his team. A few of the people had heart problems, which again at that altitude is just, it, it's just awful. It was terrible, congestive heart failure. It was terrible the whole time. And so unfortunately, I allowed that frustration to build in my heart. And we walked from place to place, and there were no people we're used to seeing 200 to 400 patients every time we stopped. And we would show up at a village and they'd be like, oh, no, sorry, there's a festival. They've all left. Like, everybody? Really? Like, we've come with medicine. No, we don't need any medicine. They've all gone over there. We watched for eight days. I am not exaggerating. We had seen two patients. I was like, I am so done with this. <laughs> why are we here? Walking every step. God, what? What is this about? Are you kidding me? These people are going to die? No patience? Why are we here? And that frustration began to build until it became anger in me. We have to be so careful. Finally, the last day, 
the last village we showed up, again, no people in the village. I'm like, what? Two boys who were being punished. They were the only two people there. And I was like, is this a joke? I'm looking around like, is this like some one of those TV shows, like practical joke where they walk you everywhere and like some crew's going to jump out? And I'm, I'm looking at these boys, and out of my frustration, I'm saying to them, and he, I'm like, is there are, just any patient, just any patient, do you have anybody you know that needs medicine? <laughs> They're like, well, this one man, he lives a little bit far out. I'm like, I, we, we'll go. We'll just go. We're, we're there. So we pack up and we go. And we found a man. I've never seen such a thing. To this day, I've never seen such a thing. He was outside on a bed on the roof. He was covered with one threadbare cloth. There were a few branches over the bed that the sun at that altitude is just so intense. So they had just thrown a couple of branches over the top to give him a bit of shade. With him lying flat, I could see the outline of his spine through his stomach. He was so malnourished. He had not been bathed in years. His nails curled around, his toenails curled around in his feet. And his story was his wife had died years before, and they didn't have any children. So he had gone to live with his brother um, <clears throat> about two years before he had fallen and broken his ankle, a broken ankle. So he couldn't walk, and he couldn't work. And in that place, in those days, if you couldn't work, you didn't eat. So whatever was left over, first they fed the children, and then they fed the ones who were working. And then if whatever's left, that went to the older people, and whatever was left after that went to the sick. And in a moment, I realized that God is such a God of love that he had gathered up a team of unlikely people from Arizona, brought them to that place, walked them over those mountains for me to stand there and wash his feet and say, there is a God who loves you. There is a God who gave his son for your life. And he loves you so much that he brought us here just to bathe you and to cover your feet. And I also knew that in my bitterness, and frustration, I had missed the joy of that journey. It was a deep life lesson for me. His love poured out is meant to be poured out in the world. And that journey has brought us now to Manali, where we run a hospital and school. The hospital started in 1935 as a single-room dispensary by the, the Viceroy of India, who was the British ruler. And she showed up in that area. There was no medical care. And so she gave the money to start the dispensary. That was in 1935. And now it's become 55 beds. We have a four-bed ICU. And this past year, we saw 68,000 outpatients. My husband did about 4,000 major surgeries. We send surgery teams back into those remote places that I once walked over. It is as though we have come full circle. 
There's a school, it's an English medium school, the only one in the valley, where we have about 530 children. And that's where Addie's been serving this past year. It is probably our greatest mission field, that school. As patients come through, um, we pray for them, we tell them about Christ, we invite them to church. House groups, house groups have started uh, from those patients. But those children, they hear the word every day. And it's that deep teaching and that daily working out of what it means to be a Christian that we try to model for them. There is also a church there. It's um, really the only formal church in the area. There's several other house churches that have started up. Um, and as a part of that and a part of the growth of that church now, you can hardly get into the space. If you're late, if we have to go to the hospital, you just can't get in the door and you have to stand outside. Um, about four or five years ago, my mom was there, and um, we decided we needed to do something about the Sunday school because it was just really in a shambles. And so we took up that, and my husband and I, and now Addie, continue that to this day. Uh, children's ministry, not my calling. But, <laughs> but there are 100 children uh, who come every Sunday, and we give them the gospel every Sunday because we don't know when they're going to come back. And every once in a while... Again, God will just part that veil just a bit. And I'll see one of those children with their faces lifted up in worship. And I'll think, yeah, I'm good. I'm good for another year. And so um, we serve and we love because God loved us. And that's what we're called. I pray that you will open your hearts to these people as you see their faces. Pray for them. Pray for that work. Pray that the Spirit would move in that place. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, it's funny how this, the Lord worked all this out. <laughs> I had a dry erase board over there and a whole big message to give you. Um, but the Lord's kind of shifted the direction, and not much, just slightly. And so uh, <clears throat> I know there's no way I can, I'm not going to put you guys through 45 minutes of me drawing on a dry erase board. <laughs> but what I do want to talk about is very similar to what I wanted to, to kind of draw out for you. I'll just kind of explain um, we, I consider, I consider us to be a smaller church, I guess, uh, I guess you could say relatively speaking. Um, but I have seen just watching this video and, and listening to this testimony, I have seen come out of this little church, some pretty miraculous things. Amen. And I think no time like the present to, to talk about it. Um, I remember Addie and youth group, if you remember, um, and I remember some of the, some of the Wednesdays we would only have a handful of kids, but. A lot of the times we had a handful of kids because those kids were either out on mission trips or out doing things uh, in their communities. And I remember thinking how blessed we are to not have a lot of kids in here <laughs> some Wednesdays because they're actually out there being the hands and feet. Um, and it's incredible to see the journey that, that you've taken and where you are now, Addie. I mean, it's just really neat. Um, on top of that, even our own mission team, we're meeting tonight how this all worked out. I don't even know. We didn't plan this. 
Um, literally, Addie just sent me a text and said, hey, my aunt would like to speak. Is it, is it okay if she speaks? And, and it just so happened to fall on the same day that y'all are having our missions team that goes to Honduras every year is having their meeting tonight. Um, and I think there's something to be said. I know we, there's a lot of people that are, have different opinions on what missions look like. And some people say, well, we don't need to go here. We need to do it more locally. And, and you know my response to that is, yeah, both. <laughs> Not one or the other, both and. We, we have local missions that we do. We, and we have foreign missions that we do. The Lord's not limited to our culture. <laughs> the Lord's not limited to, to what we think uh, <laughs> he should be limited to. It's like trying to make uh, God see through our perspective instead of the other way around. So I want to say that, that um, in, my, in my experience, just, uh, just in the mission trip, Tracy went on one to Honduras, and then I went on one the, the, the year after. And I can remember those times when I thought, you know, what, <clears throat> what good am I going to do? You know, in a in a third world country, what what can I bring to the table? And I was unfortunately being a little self centered there, because um, what I realized is when I got there, it wasn't really about me at all. <laughs> it was something the Lord was doing; He was just letting me be a part of. And what was cool about that is, most of you, <clears throat> most of you know my story. The few that don't, I'm not going to bore you with the details. But I was, <clears throat> I was born into uh, uh, first of all a dad that that told my mom to abort me. Um, because I was a mistake, and I mean, I was a mistake, but they thought I was a mistake at the time. And she, even back then, before she knew the Lord, heard from the Lord, she picked up the phone to call the doctor, and the Lord told her to leave him alone. He's my son. And she didn't know that was crazy, and for her to stand up to my dad was a big deal because he was abusive and a drug dealer, alcoholic, the whole nine yards. So for her to actually have me was a miracle, not, not to mention that <clears throat> the doctor said she would zero zero chance that I would go full term that I was going to die. She had miscarriage before me, so I was for sure going to be a miscarriage, and obviously I wasn't. I made it. All that to say, everything coming up in my childhood, the, the things that I dealt with, um, I would I would back then was normal, but I would describe as a pretty rough childhood, uh, without getting into too many details, and to to come to the point <clears throat> to come to the point where I am in life now is complete miracle that I'm alive, much less a pastor at a church. Now, I'll say all that to say this. Lord placed me in this church, placed me in Honduras that year for three young men. I gave my testimony and they came up and they said, our story's the same as yours. Our parents were going to get rid of us, they were going to board us, but um, the Lord changed their minds and we were born, um, but we feel like we don't have a father and we feel helpless. And the thing specifically about um, the Hondurans that I came in contact with, especially those three boys, was they have kind of an escape mentality. If we can just get somewhere else, things will be okay. And unfortunately, that's even common here. That's why a lot of people end up in broken relationships and different things. They want something better. They think that the grass is greener kind of thing. And if, we can, if I can just get a better job or get a better house or get a better spouse or if I can just, something can change, I'll be okay, Right. It's no different over there. And what happened was there was a great bridge made. They saw that everything wasn't perfect in America. They saw that, you know, even what they thought were, you know, rich, rich white Americans dealt with very similar issues that they dealt with. There wasn't, it wasn't an escape just getting somewhere else. That's where we find ourselves even in church today. We want a solution to our problem, right? Anybody don't have any problems? Is anybody problemless? We all have issues. We all have problems. We all want solutions to these problems. The, the thing is, <clears throat> as far as we can see, we think there's only temporary solutions. 
The good news is there's a permanent solution. What I wanted to talk about and draw you a bunch of pictures, <laughs> I'll just explain to you. We had a heart issue um, after the fall. Uh, we, we had broken relationship with the father, and there was a lot of things that happened in between there. And the good news is Jesus came and fixed that heart problem. Um, all the law and the prophets talk about it and build up to it and lead up to it, talking about here's the, even the covenant, the first covenant that God made with the Israelites. He gave them laws. Don't make idols. Don't worship other gods. And then they went and made idols and worshiped other gods. And then he, say, he gave them 613, not all at the same time, but over time, gave them more laws, and they checked them off and broke every one of them. And he gave them more, and they kept breaking them. And he gave them more, and they kept breaking them. And then we go from the law into the prophets, and the prophets prophesied. They talked about how messed up the past was and how good the future was going to be because there was going to be a solution coming. So the law and the prophets built all the way up to Jesus, and then in steps Jesus. <laughs> and he, he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. He fulfills it all in two commands, which is loving our neighbor as ourselves and loving God. Those two things are the same. The neat thing about that is he didn't just tell us to do it. He gave us a way that we could do it. Because if he just told us to do it, then it would be up to us like many other religions in the world, as you were talking about trying to get up to some place and, and, and make your way to get to this God. Our God is the only God that came down so that he could be with us. You don't have to get yourself anywhere. All you have to do is receive. Our God that we serve put, him, put himself in a flesh suit, <laughs> came and hung out with us, hung out with the Pharisees, as frustrated as he was, he loved them, <laughs> hung out with the the God's chosen people hung out with, with uh, Gentiles, hung out with everybody, sat down and ate with them, took the time to wash their feet, made a loving God visible. <laughs> he made a loving God visible to us so that we could see it. Not just hear about it, but see it. And what we see today in the foreign mission field and in our local mission field is we see an expression of God in us. We don't do altar calls necessarily here. I know that's kind of a traditional term. But you bring things to die at an altar. <laughs> we have life here. And I want to encourage you, listen, this is one of those times that, that uh, there's nothing special about this building or our ugly red carpet. <laughs> Listen, if the Lord's speaking to you right now, this is, this is kind of a Holy Spirit moment. If the Lord's speaking to you right now and you'd like to receive that, if you'd, li if you'd like to trade up, listen, I promise you it's a trade up. I've, been, I've explored many options for, for peace and joy, <laughs> and there's none out there, not outside of Christ. And I want to encourage you, if you've got any doubt, God's not some cosmic killjoy that doesn't want you to have fun. <laughs> he created the stuff. He's made of joy. It's just not laced with guilt and shame anymore. So I want to encourage you, this is, uh, man, I, I don't even know how to do it anymore. <laughs> All my traditions are popping up, you know, the whole Rome through Romans and altar call stuff. But what I want to tell you is, it's as simple as receiving. Listen, the, the, the truth about the gospel is it's good news. And the truth about the gospel is it's a gift. You can't earn it. Even if you tried, you couldn't earn it. You could travel miles and miles and, and, and build as many, as many idols as you wanted to, and you could never earn what he wants to give you for free today. So if you'd like to, we'll, <clears throat> I mean, we'll take as I said, I'm about to put a time limit on it. We'll take as long as you want to take. Um,
we're going to have, we'll just have a time. Uh, let me see who I can get up here. Somebody to call on. I'm going to call Melvin and Libby. Bill and Renee, y'all mind coming up here? Trace and I will be up here. Uh, Daniel and Lauren, y'all okay coming up? Trace and I will be up here. Just We'll hang out a minute. Um, if anybody just wants prayer for anything or... If, if today's the day the heart's the heart, listen to me, the Lord's really working on your heart. <clears throat> one lie I want to squash real quick before we even get into this is uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about in my all my drawings is in the new covenant you 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 no longer have a wicked heart. You had a wicked heart. If you do have a wicked heart, I've got a good one for you. <clears throat> I've got someone who bought and paid for a brand new heart for you. And listen, from that heart, it may take some time for your mind to be aligned with it and renewed to it, but I promise you it's a, it's a one-time deal. It's, it's a good deal. <laughs> it's a super good deal. Um, and I'm in sales, so I know what a good deal is. <laughs> this is the best deal you'll ever make. <clears throat> you will essentially just be gaining absolute, perfect, eternal life that starts today. You don't have to wait until you die to enjoy it. Another common myth. Eternity starts right now. <laughs> And you can experience real joy right now. So I want to encourage you, if, if the Lord's working in your heart, regardless of what any of us up here have said, the Holy Spirit can do a job that we can't do. And if he's working on you right now, this may be a perfect time. So I just want to invite you. We'll take some time here um, to receive anybody that wants prayer or wants to come to a place where they want to, to gain a brand new, whoa, brand new heart. I'm going to fall out before I even get started. Um, brand new heart. So, yeah. Come on, Tracy, you got to come up here too. <clears throat> so I want to invite you, don't be... Don't be shy. If you want us to come to you, you can raise your hand. We'll come out there and hang out with you and pray with you. If you want to come up here and pray, no time like the present. Hey, Addie, Andy, y'all want to come up here real quick? I want to pray for you guys before we leave. Is that okay? I didn't ask you. I guess it's okay. We just want to pray for you guys. Um, when are you When are you going back? February 12th. February 12th, are you going to? I hope to, yes. You hope to? Okay. All right. Uh, well, we want to pray for you guys before you go. And, and well, first, I want to thank you for, for giving that, that testimony. And, and thank you for what you've done over the 26 years. That's incredible. <clears throat> so, uh, and thank you for blessing us just, I mean, just to, to be here. So, uh, we just want to pray for you. Huh? Y'all can join anybody. Y'all know how we do? Anybody wants to come up can join and pray. Holding y'all back. <laughs> Is it Anna or Anna? Anna. Anna. So make sure. Father, we pray for Anna and, and Addie right now, Lord, and, and the mission work that they're doing. Father, I thank you for, uh, Lord, for their commitment to, uh, to be your hands and feet in India. Lord, that's a, that's a huge deal. Lord, we're not all called to that. We're not all called to the same thing, but I thank you that, that you did call them. And even, even though she was just trying to get out, <laughs> just trying to get out of here for a little bit, Lord, you were so gracious to meet us right where we are. Yes. Lord, you were so good to meet us right where we are and to minister to us and to, to minister to us so much that we can share your love, just as she said, just overflowing. Lord, thank you for that joy and for the gifts that you've given her as a doctor to, to minister through medicine. And Lord, I pray that she would see more healed 
through through medicine and through your miraculous hand, Father, in her ministry. Lord, I thank you for, for your vision and for your leading, for your Holy Spirit in and through her and Addie, Lord, that, that um, Lord, I pray that every place that they enter, every... Uh, <laughs> every village, every room, every person that comes to them for help or for just for a hug, Lord, that your presence would be felt there. Yes. Lord, overflowing, just as she said, just overflowing. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. <clears throat> and uh, Anna didn't ask, but I'll, I'm going to do it anyway because I have the mic. Um, we have one basket here, and we just want to take up a love offering for her and Addie. Um, and yeah, that's it. We just want to bless them. Uh, no, no strings attached. Uh, you can do text to give space missions. If you do text to give, you can put the amount in there and then just put a space and then missions, and we'll designate it today to them. Um, so if you want to, uh, you know, if it's on your heart to give to their mission, uh, there's a basket up here if you want to come give to it. And I'll give you all a little bit to do that, and then we will dismiss. Speaking of new life, <laughs> it's always sweet to hear, baby. Also, um, I also want to thank um, Anna for just being genuine. A lot, of, I, I don't know her very well, and I was, I kind of, you know just let her speak without even really knowing. I was kind of concerned at the end. I was like, I have no idea what she's going to say. And I just want to thank you for just sharing your heart and being genuine. And, and seriously, she, she, wasn't, she didn't come here for a pitch or to try to, to, to get any money. I, this was just something we want to do to bless them. So um, just thank you for your heart and for everything that you've done. So if you guys will stand up with me, I'll pray. I'll let you guys get up out. Father, I thank you uh, for this day. Lord, thank you for kind of throwing a curveball today. <laughs> Lord, as, as selfish as I was in the beginning, thinking I'm not going to have enough time to give my message, I thank you that, that you met me right where I was and you corrected me and said, look, we're going to adjust because there's something bigger going on here. So thank you for, for uh, just ministering uh, in and through everyone in this place today. Lord, just sealing, sealing the hearts of the people that uh, have just have been, touched with, have been touched through testimony and been touched through prayer today. Lord, that they would just go out and, and, and have a, an awesome, wonderful day. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Also, you guys welcome Liz and Zach to the family as y'all are leaving and grabbing your kids from Liz.